Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, welcome to episode 58. I have a friend with me today doing another interview format today as it is Foster Care Awareness Month. That is the month of May. So I have my friend and colleague and co-laborer in the Lord, Jesse Holing here. And um, before I go too far into that, I'm just going to ask you, Jesse, to introduce yourself. Tell us about your life right now, your job, seminary, your future plans with your fabulous fiance, things of that nature. Tell us about yourself. Well, it's great to be here, Jen. And yes, I am Jesse and I am recently engaged. I am from Southern California. I'm currently a pastoral resident at Redemption Parker, and I'm hoping to finish seminary here in the fall. So it's a big year for you. It's a very big year. (laughs) Well, we're really grateful that you're at Redemption Parker. We're really grateful that you're part of our community. So, and thanks for being on this podcast. So in light of foster care awareness, um, this is something that our church has grown in awareness of and compassion for and a desire to be actively involved in. I'd say it's something where our church has really been blessed by our increased involvement in the community and just in our understanding of foster care. So I really wanted to pursue that on this particular episode. And I'm going to do another one next week with some moms, foster care moms who are in our church. But um, Jesse, you have a unique perspective. So As we dive in, let me just say this. There are currently about 5,000 children in Colorado in foster care homes or group homes. And there are currently more than 400,000 children across the United States in that same situation. So that is a large number and it reflects a very diverse population. Foster children are all ages. They come from all kinds of backgrounds and the reasons that they are in foster care are varied. They are diverse. The reasons are often complex, they're often heartbreaking, and I think they're often misunderstood. And that's really why I wanted to do this podcast episode is I feel like it's easy for us who are in intact families, who are wealthy, so to speak, you know, we've got careers, we've got homes, we've got loved ones, we've got community. It's so easy for us to feel, I think, overwhelmed by the foster care system. It feels very foreign. And so we don't really move towards it. It's a population that we sort of keep at a distance from ourselves. And so I want to help our listeners really move toward it. That's my goal in this episode is that listeners would be able to move in, move closer to the foster population by understanding what's going on and by where, you know, so many different facets of the whole issue. My desire is that we might be able to give some stories, put some faces, put real people to this issue so that when it doesn't feel so distant, it doesn't feel so far over there, but it feels more um, that we, we just have more awareness and more understanding. So with that said, I know that you alone cannot speak for all children or youth who have been involved in the foster system. So please don't feel that pressure. I'm not asking you to speak for everyone, but you do have a really important and helpful perspective. And I'm so thankful that you're willing to share, just at least give us a glimpse of that on this particular episode. So Jesse, can you tell us about just more about yourself, more about your specific experience in foster care system, as much of your story as you feel like would be helpful to share and as you feel willing to share? Yeah, of course. And I think in order to really share that story, I got to rewind a little bit with my parents who were a Christian couple that lived in Des Moines, Iowa, and they wanted like many families to start a family. And one of the obstacles that really came early was their inability to have kids. Mm -hmm. And that created just a ton of heartbreak, a ton of pain in their lives. And that's really what opened up the the door to um, foster care and adoption. And so my story... uh, 
pretty intense in, in some ways. I was, my mom, my, my birth mom was very young. Um, she was addicted to heroin and um, there was no father on the scene. And, and from just uh, the adoption record, she had multiple children. Um, her life was a mess. Um, and when she was actually pregnant with me, um, she had a car accident and broke her leg. Um, and during the time of the pregnancy, um, she was continuing to shoot up heroin. And so when I was born, I was um, born high on heroin. And so that was kind of my story, how I was born. And one of the, I guess like God's grace in that early was my parents had just kind of explored this adoption story and they got my brother, older brother, and the social worker at the hospital was able to connect me with our family, that my, my family now. So they gave a call and that's kind of how I entered the home. I was a foster child, I was adopted by two, and that's kind of how I entered that um, situation. So um, and a couple years later, the same kind of story happened. I had, I had a little sister, her name's Rachel, um, and she was given into our home as well. She was fostered and eventually adopted. And so um, there's now three of us and we are a blended family and, and um, by God's grace, uh, we have, remain close to this day, so. Wow. That is an amazing story. I appreciate you giving us perspective on your biological mom, as well as your foster and adoptive parents. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that story is, there's a lot there. <laughs> there is a lot there. So not only do you have a perspective from being a child who was in foster care and then you were adopted, but now you are in full-time ministry and you have worked in the past with an organization called Project 127. That's, um, they're based here in Colorado, but they also serve nationally and they try to be a bridge between the church community and kids in foster care who need families. So you have seen a lot of different angles of the system. You've seen kids in need. You have been a kid in need. You've seen families in crisis. You've been a part of a foster family. Then you've been a part of an adoptive family, um, the same family by God's grace. You've been involved in training future foster families. You've seen various placements, various churches and their involvement. So you have so many helpful perspectives and viewpoints that I think would be really helpful for us. Um, can we just go back to the ground level and you, um, you know, you shared, you've shared some of your own story, but in general, what are some reasons for somebody who is just really new to this idea of foster care? What are some of the reasons that kids end up in foster care? Why do we have foster care? Yeah. And to be honest, it's never good. Jen, why a kid ends up in the foster care system. It's, it's a system of brokenness and like my own story, it's, it's, it's a mom who, um, had a had a history of abuse in her own life and, and a drug addiction in her teenage years, and so that's kind of my story. And there's so many stories like that. There's there's abuse in these families. There's addiction. Sometimes it's just a financial burden, unwanted pregnancies, and so there's really multifaceted reasons that why kids end up in foster care. But the really the majority of the reason it's never really usually a good thing. Mm. I think something to consider too. It's never it's not these kids' fault. Mm. You know, you're sort of born in, in, into a, a system of brokenness mm. and. Um, that's largely what's responsible for so many, um, just how many kids are in the foster care system and across the country, across mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this morning I read a quote um, from a foster care organization, or like an organization that adv advocates for foster children, that said the number one predictor for a child ending up in foster care is that that child's mom was in foster care. So we're really looking then at just generations of brokenness. We're looking at um, a mom who was herself a victim of abuse or neglect or some sort of brokenness in the family that she came from. And chances are her parents were, you know, chances are we're looking at generations and cycles of um, despair and, and just hard things. 
And so, you know, I mean, thinking of your own mom and you've generously shared some of her story, but, um, you know, she's young and she has this drug addiction, like that doesn't come out of a vacuum, right? Mm -hmm. There's something behind that. So I appreciate you sharing, you know, just telling us that like the reasons children end up in foster care is because something is broken. There's heartache, there's a cycle, there's generations of brokenness. That really, I think, changes the way we look at the whole thing, right? The the more we know, the better we can um, understand what's going on. Okay, so there's brokenness, there's something wrong, there's pain, there's heartache. This is how a child ends up in foster care. In what ways can foster care be helpful to families and kids who are in crisis? So what are the benefits or the blessings to the kid and to the kid's biological parents for foster care? And then in what ways can it be hurtful? The good and the bad. Yeah, and that's that's a tough question because, yeah, there's there's often it, – it's so intertwined together. And so foster care can, can be so helpful um, to really help temporarily remove a, ch- a child from a, a harmful situation. It could be a safe place, a safe house, um, while home situations are, are dangerous. Um, but on the other hand, there's, there's also this tension in foster care where – um, of taking a child from the parents, and you want to you want to do that well, and that's where you know unfortunately when things are get bigger and there's bigger systems, there's a lot of there's a lot of pain that happens in that, and so there needs to be a lot of care because these are the biological parents, mm. and that that always should be a last resort is to remove mm. a kid from their parents, mm. and unfortunately though there there are so many situations we just said generational brokenness where there has to be some kind of way to say this is this is harmful, this is dangerous, and and a foster care situation can be can be really a safe place for the kid. And it could be a very, it could be a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking that kid just from, for a moment, for a period of time while the family gets some things going. Cause a lot of these mm-hmm. things with addictions, mental health problems, mm-hmm. some of that just requires a lot of time and intentionality for the family to get healing and foster care can really serve kind of stepping in, into that, that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I, I love the, the picture that you've just painted of being a temporary help to a family in crisis. Um, especially if we're talking about young parents or parents who are in crisis and have an unplanned pregnancy, um, you know, or they're facing abuse themselves or unemployment. I mean, so many reasons, right. That, um, parenting can be really hard and a, and a unplanned pregnancy can be a crisis, but foster care ideally is a situation where there's a temporary bridge, the temporary gives that those parents some space to heal or to get healthy, to get what they need so they can thrive. That's the ideal. Right. Um, but I appreciate what you said too. Like it can be so hurtful. We, it's, we must, um, see removing children from their biological parents as the last resort, um, because that biology is strong. Genes are strong and it's important for children to know and to um, have the opportunity to, to know about and care about and, and be with ultimately their biological parents, if that's an option. Okay, well, I know that even amongst you and your own siblings, there were various responses to your experience in foster care and being adopted and growing up with your particular story. So can you tell us a little bit about the various responses children and youth have in the foster care system? So, um, and I know this is a huge question again, please don't feel like you have to answer the whole thing, but you know, just as an outsider, somebody who might not have seen foster care up close, help that listener maybe understand 
some of what might be happening in the heart and the mind of a foster child, where you know one might seem fine, unscathed, happy, resilient, and another might might seem um, angry, um, you know, acting out, whatever, however we might phrase that. But what causes those various responses, or just maybe? I don't know. I guess I want to increase our understanding of children and youth and foster care. Can you shed any light on that for us? I will do my best. I'm, I'm not a parent, but I am obviously someone that was adopted. I have, I have siblings. And even in my own journey and my own story, that I think me and my siblings have had different responses. And I think that's, I think that's important. I think sometimes parents have this idea that, yeah, if we, you know, if I, if they're in the same environment, they're going to come out, you know, and that's just not totally. true. Any kind yeah. of, any parenting. Yeah. And so I think at the end of the day, like belonging and love are some of the most important things we can, we can give our children. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to note that the foster care system is so broken. And many of these kids suffer from abandonment from a young age, neglect, abuse, and, and, and we all carry wounds. And I think different children, we carry, we carry a wound differently. And so I think it's really important that we give belonging and love, but the way that we as kids respond is going to always look different. I think that's just something important. I think there's Sometimes this this um, mantra that we say, if we just love more, if we just you know, that's all we need. And mm-hmm. there's just a there's a variety of different spectrums. I mean, there's you know, kids and mm-hmm. you know, I came from a, a drug related family, and I was adopted super young. And now, had that been older, there would have probably been different things. You know, my sister um, had had a much more um, abusive family situation, and the, and there's some more there's weight to that. And mm-hmm. I think that's where um, it's important to know that. And I think. Um, it, it puts you on your knees. Mm. It, it, it brings you back to God because yeah, at the end of the day, like we're, we're called to love these kids mm. and to be faithful and to show up daily. And you know, we, we, we don't have as much control over the responses and behaviors. You can show them love, but um, there's a lot of kids that yeah have, there's going to be a psychological effect being separated from, from mom and dad being, being separated from a sibling. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think unfortunately society, we kind of just label them as difficult and we prefer to keep them just in foster care, not in our homes. And I think that's the, that's the tragedy of the whole situation. Man, that's so piercing, Jesse. <laughs> that's, you're piercing my heart as you say that. We label them as difficult and we'd prefer to keep them in foster care rather than in our own homes. Um, yeah, that's a tough truth, but you are, you are telling the truth for sure. What are some misconceptions that the general public has about foster care? Um, I mean, you kind of just pointed to one. We label these kids as difficult, and so we'd rather keep them at a distance. You know, that's, that's definitely going down this path. What are maybe some other misconceptions about the children, about the biological families, about foster families? I don't know. Those are three different populations. Um, I don't know. Could you speak more to misconceptions that you've heard? Maybe growing up, you've heard, you heard, you know, friends found out you were in foster care or adopted. Did they say crazy things or adults or adult friends or even in our own church? I mean, I'm sure misconceptions abound and you've run into them time and time again. Yeah, there, there are, there are so many misconceptions. I think for the sake of time, I'll try to just go on a couple, but okay. I mean, I know, I know, I know many people that have been foster adopted. There's this, the consistent one where, you know, you're with your mom and dad and your other sibling, they're just like, oh, so that's your real, that's the real daughter. And, and you're kind of just sitting there like, no, I'm, I'm their son. Mm. I'm adopted, you know? And so I know even, and I grew up in church and that's, so a lot of Christians can, can often just say things like that. And I, that can be really hurtful. I, I try to not take too much offense to anything. Um, but I know that can be a really hurtful thing. I think one, if I really want to illustrate one thing that I, I, that I've seen in the church, mm-hmm. 
is I, I've seen a lot of passion when it comes to um, homelessness. Mm. And a lot of Christians get really up in arms about, hey, we got we to gotta go and help the homeless people. I think one of the misconceptions I was confronted when I went to Project 127 is so many of the foster care problem bleeds directly into homelessness. Mm. And if you think about it for a moment, it's, it's these kids who have no parents, no support, no any kind of structure in their lives that age out. Mm-hmm. And they have nothing. They have no real education, no future aspirations. They have, they're just kind of out there. Mm. And I think that was for me like a huge misconception. I've, I've heard so many Christians get passionate up in arms about, you know, how do we, you know, feeding and helping. We have food banks and all these different things. And that really like hit me of like, wow, like if you want to like, if you're really passionate about homelessness, like this is, this is like the opportunity to strike, if you will, right? Before they get to that point, because so many of these kids are just not wanted mm. and they age out. And, and I think that's a, a huge misconception that we have as a church. Yeah. If, like we really are passionate about yeah, social justice, serving the least of these. Like that, yeah. is a, that is an opportunity I think we as a church miss. We're missing it. Yeah, and I think so many things in addition to homelessness. I mean, I'm just thinking of other crisis pregnancies or drug abuse, or we are certainly have a mental health crisis in our nation, which is linked to homelessness and yeah. linked to... Um, as, as you have just said really pointedly and really clearly, kids who are unwanted. Um, so that's a powerful word for us, Jesse. I'm going to be chewing on that for a long time, that um, so many of the, you know, quote, social ills or things we see in society that plague us as a people might be prevented, might be cared for or healed quicker if the church would step in and provide foster care. Wow. Okay. Let me ask you this. What are some things your own parents did or what are some things that you've seen other foster and adoptive parents do that are especially productive and healing for the children in their care? So I say this because, you know, we are an adoptive family. We have many adoptive friends, many friends in foster care. And I think people often believe um, that, you know, and Hollywood propagates this idea that all you need is love. You know, love, as you said, belonging and care and love, those are essential. They really are. Of course, that is the foundation of all we do. They are essential. But I think we are um, naive if we think that's all we need, right? So I, I just want, I'm curious, what have you seen? What did your parents do? What have, other par- what have you seen other parents do in order to be a force for healing in the lives of the children and youth that are in their homes? Yeah, it's another a really great question. Another really big question, but Wow. Um, I love my parents. I think they're the best people in the whole world. And I think one one thing that I would just begin with is I, th- I think there's an, a misconception in the posture that we approach foster care. And I think that's just an American value of I need to add a kid to my family. You know, mm-hmm. how to customize my perfect, you know, family thing. And, you know, what, what's the kind of kid's going to do that? And, and something we said at Project 127, it's not about adding a kid to your family. It's about giving a family to the kid. Mm-hmm. It's giving them a place of belonging. And I, and I really think my parents modeled that just so well. Like, I think it's, because I think if you start with that heart posture of that, that service mentality, it's going gonna, it's gonna to carry because... Yeah, there's nothing easy about foster care. I mean, I'm not here to promote, like, this is just an easy thing. These are kids that are, are going through a lot. And it's uncomfortable inviting, you know, these kids to your home. And there's, you know, siblings and other things to consider. And, you know, we have this image management that we try to promote. And, you know, like, I mean, these kids are going to, are difficult sometimes. Like, they are. And it's not easy. And I think something my parents did, they were patient with that. Um, they really, they really did value um, tough conversations. You know, they were very free with conversations about, you know, where we came from. Um, they were just one of the most patient, 
like enduring people that I know. Like they were so patient with um, so many difficult moments. And I, I've watched with my my older brother who has had a lot of hard moments. I mean, there was there was conversations and you know and, and up in middle school and high school where you're not my mom. And I, I remember moments like that where it just broke mm. my parents' heart. Yeah. You know, there was a time when, you know, my brother was, yeah, on his own and, you know, totally rebellious. And, and we've had a lot of moments as a family, but my parents have consistently done that. And so I think some other things I've just seen so well is, is parents, um, parents who really um, pursue like holistic, you know, and understanding that this is a complicated issue. And it's, yeah, as you said, it's not just love, love is important, but like there's, you know, love, love is action and, 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 and pursuing even sometimes conversations with birth parents and, and reconciliation there. It looks different for every family, and so you know you can't advocate that for every time. But you know the mental health issues and, and seeing counseling and and all these different things. I think it's understanding that this is this is deep, and wounds aren't aren't you know just the the acting out, but there's something deep. And I think I've seen parents have done this well by hey, like how do we pursue that together? Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I've seen a lot of healing um, done with that. So there's a I mean there's a lot with that question, but that's where I think you know some of the co- things that come to mind. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate what you said about there at the end um, that acting out isn't really the end of the story. Like, what is behind that? Um, that's so key. I think as a society in general, we look at behavior and go, well, how can we fix the behavior? We're not, um, we are less willing to really go deep. And as you say, the wounds are very deep. And so it takes time. And I, um, I love the way you talk about your parents. You know, you, you honor them so well. And it sounds like they were like before their time. I feel like uh, some of the, um, I don't know, like our trauma informed, um, approach now is newer, you know, the research, the books, the, the trainings that we have available now are newer, but your it sounds like your parents had a sense. Um, they came into it, as you say, looking to provide a family to, to the child versus looking to provide children to the parents. And that is, that's like, those are two different worlds two totally different worlds. And so thank you for, thank you for showing us that, that, um, that the way we're going to approach it's really different if we're seeking to provide a family to the children rather than children to the parents. That's good. Um, okay, let's see. So now you're a pastor. Now you advocate for kids, you know, you, as you've worked in project 127, you, um, have been involved in various ways in the foster community here in Colorado. And I know that you and your fiance have a heart for hurting youth and for hurting families. And you've been a huge help to us and our church as we've grown in our understanding and our experience in this sphere. You've said, you've mentioned a little bit already, but um, in this moment where we can just hear from you, I would love for you to speak to the church, speak to Christians. What else would you like us to know about foster care? What else would you like us to understand? What else would you like to see us do? Yeah, wow. I, th- I, as I said about the the homeless, there. I think I think there's such an opportunity. I think so many of us are in a place where we have kind of just segmented foster care. It's not something we want to think about. Or the other response I often hear is just like, that's for like super parents. Mm. Like you know, if you're just a super parent and you were born to be a father, mother, like that's for you. Mm. And I honestly think that that is such a, a misguided approach. I think as a church, there's so much we can do to come mm-hmm. alongside. And, we, and we've seen it RP. We've mm-hmm. seen it at our church where we have, you know, closets and, and families gathering together. And I think 
there's, there's a piece of that that I think is for everybody. You know, I think some people think like, you know, foster care is not the same as adoption. You know, adoption is, is, a, is a beautiful thing as well. And I'm a huge fan of that. But foster care is, is it actually is more temporary. You know, it's not, it's not bringing a kid in for the rest of your life. It's, it's just being a bridge and saying, I'm going to help, you know, navigate a situation. And there's so many times of crisis with families. And so I think, I think my, my biggest thing to the church is that there, there is, there's a role for everybody to mm. play. You know, even if that means you don't actually put in a child in your home, there's, mm-hmm. there's a role to play in supporting those that are doing it, getting involved, um, support, you know, posting, supporting. Um, we see it so well at our church, um, families that really gather around each other. And I think so much of that community is so essential because I, I do think it takes a village to raise a, raise a kid. I and mean, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's so much to that when you involve your faith community. So. Um, I, yeah, I would say as a church that, man, there, there's so much opportunity. And, and I would also just say that, like, I, I think, like, to me, this is something like the, the James 127, which is where probably 127 gets at, you know, mm-hmm. serving the orphans in distress. And I, I think, like, this is such a beautiful moment of the gospel. Like, who are more vulnerable than our children, mm-hmm. than children that are, that are victims of generational, like, abuse and things like that, that have no way to get out? And what an opportunity to speak the gospel, what an opportunity to, to really be the hands and feet of Jesus in our, in our society um, than that. Because I, I can't tell you, I mean, I, I feel like the American church, we sometimes are just dulled by complacency. And we're kind of just asking ourselves, like, how do we, how do we be uncomfortable? If you want to be uncomfortable, like, get involved with foster care. This will put you on your knees. And, and we've heard that from families in our church. It's like, yeah, we were in this boat. We, you know, we're living the dream, American dream, and it, it feels empty. And it's like, wow, we, we pursued this. And wow, God is like, God, man, we are uncomfortable right now. But yeah, God, like that's when God shows up in our lives. And I think, man, that is such a, a beautiful invitation from foster care. Wow. Preach, Jesse. <laughs> He's preaching his sermon and I'm here for it. Um, yeah, what you say about us being, we're, we're complacent. We get dull. We remove ourselves from it. And then we don't experience the blessings of God. And I, I love how you put it. It's an invitation to become um, dependent on the Lord. And that really is what it is. Um, Man, that's that's strong. Thank you, Jesse. Well, what else? What else can you do? You feel like we need to bring to light. What what have we missed in this conversation? I know it's brief, and the reality is people need to go to Project One Twenty Seven and get on months of training. Right? There's so much more to learn. Um, but in this brief podcast, is there something else that you want to throw in here? Don't feel like you have to. And I do. I do have one more question that we didn't script. If you want me to ask you that, that's fine. <laughs> totally. I can edit this out if you don't want to say it. But um, I'm sitting here listening to you, and I've heard you speak about all of this before, and getting to know you better the longer you're at our church, and I'm just really grateful. But Jesse, how do you how do you stay faithful and tender towards the church, towards foster care, toward? I mean. You have borne witness personally to so much suffering and as well as in the church and you've borne witness to misconceptions and complacency Um, as somebody who sees a much fuller picture than the rest of us. How do you stay tender and faithful and yet at the same time, um, like you, you stay in the fight, you stay persistent and consistent in trying to move the ball down the field in terms of justice and care for the marginalized um, how do you do it? What, what keeps you going? Yeah, I think when you direct your thoughts towards a certain aspect of the church, right? I think many of us that have grown up in church have been wounded by the church. And there's so many things you get up in arms with. And, and even this year, like there's just been so much brokenness. But I think for me, 
for me, really, I think what, like, what keeps that tenderness, what keeps that passion is when you, you, you identify those bright spots. Mm. And, and to me, it's, it's, you can get so cynical, but when you see it, when you actually witness a family do it, there, to me, there's nothing like more beautiful. And this is like where me and, and my fiance, we, we hope and pray that, you know, one day we can, you know, adopt and, and foster and, and pursue that. But there's something just so beautiful. I, I honestly think it's one of the most beautiful images of the gospel in our culture. Like, cause there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that benefits you from, from opening your home and, and having a kid that, you know, that uncomfortable, it's a financial burden. It's a, it's an emotion, it's a dis- total disruption to your pattern. But that to me is like what the gospel is. Mm. And it's, it's inviting, you know, a kid that has no say and doesn't, I mean, you know, in a real sense, doesn't add, you know, a, some kind of like value, you know, to your life it's it's really just this this yeah like selfless sacrificial act and i think that's the gospel you know that's our story that's everybody's story right being getting what we don't deserve being brought into a family and to me that's what breaks my heart and so when i think when i see that that energizes me mm-hmm. it just gives me it gives me a fresh passage and, and it just you know it, it over it overshadows all the other brokenness and the, the complacency in the western church i think that's when you can you can see it and you can and it's real it's not just like this thing that we see on the movie screen where everything's just cooked, you know, beautiful mm-hmm. and wonderful. It's messy. But that, I think that's where the power of the gospel is, though. And I think some, so many of us as Christians, we miss that. And I, I miss that in my life. I, I feel like, you know, leading up to marriage right now, like we have a very, like, you know, a very American life where it's feel like very, you know, very planned, very, um, very you know, segmented and scheduled. And, and I think to me, that's what like is, is the power. So I think when you can witness those people that have done it, cause you're going to realize that they're not, they're not perfect. Yeah. We're not perfect parents. My parents aren't perfect. I love them and they would be the first to admit that. Mm-hmm. And, um, to me that is like, that is the power of it. And that's where I, I think the tenderness of it and just seeing that the, the, the hard work, the sacrifice, the time, um, and knowing that that is like how God makes families. Yeah. Man, well, we're going to end on that because that is really sweet and powerful. And again, just the way that you have framed this whole conversation in terms of inviting the church into what's hard, because that's where we're going to experience the blessing of the Lord. And as you've said, well, also children who are marginalized, who don't have a say, who were born into a situation that they could not control. Um, And is that not who we're called to as the body of Christ, the least of these and are not foster children, the least of these Mm -hmm. in our moment. So thank you, Jesse. Thank you for just enlightening us. Thank you for your vulnerability and your willingness to share your story. And thank you for provoking us, spurring the church on to love and good deeds. I pray that whoever is listening to this, if you're sensing this move of the spirit, that you would get involved in some way, whether it's with a foster closet like we have at our church or taking a meal or volunteering um, with a certain agency or organization or going for it and just pursuing foster care certification and seeing where God takes you. So thank you, Jesse. And thank you all for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now. 